Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. We're beginning a series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and his son, Pastor Shane, and the subject matter is probably best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane's teaching in chapter two and three, God's timing for intimacy. So this is leave and cleave imagery. Your, your bride becomes your first priority outside of your relationship with Jesus. That means that, oh, the holidays are coming and you all know, well, what about us? Your aunt from Virginia, who you don't even know is going to be in town. Are you not going to make time for her? <laughs> right? And you're like, I don't even know Aunt Barbara. Like, what? No, I'm going to go spend time with my wife. We did the first Christmas. I remember we tried to split. It was Thanksgiving or something. And we tried to like split it amongst three houses. We're driving all over California. And I'm like, I just want to eat some food. I'm not feeling thankful right now. Right? I would recommend just pick a, pick a one or two houses. Three is too much. It's the max. Too much. Too much driving. My, my forerunner gets 10 miles per gallon. I'm not even kidding. 10 miles per gallon. How many of you have a lifted SUV? Forget it, dude. 33 inch tires. I, I pull out of my driveway, gallon of gas gone. <laughs> Insane. But it looks great. It's a lot of fun. I hope gas goes down though. Verse 11. For behold, the winter is past. Now this is language uh, pointing, again, this is a poem, the song, artistic language. This is pointing to springtime. Springtime often symbolizes new love and new beginnings and, and refreshment, right? So verse 11 says, for behold, the winter is past. You could say the waiting season is over. The rain is over and gone. Verse 12, the flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. It's a beautiful picture of a new beginning. And this is what it should be like when you first get married. Um, and, and you experience that joy and that excitement. Uh, I remember, though, it, uh, one of the first nights, my wife and I got back from our honeymoon. And we were um, sitting in bed, just sitting there. And I, I, she looked at me, and she started tearing up. And then I started tearing up. And we had this reality of, like, I remember I looked at her, and I, uh, she said, it's just so weird that I'll never, like, live with my, my parents again. And I, I remember looking at Natalie and saying, like, it's so weird that, you know, same parents. And I said, and I'll never, like, be across the hall from my little brothers again to, like, chuck something at them in the middle of the night. <laughs> and, and, you know, there is this idea of leaving and cleaving, and you guys become one, and it's now your journey together. And that can be a weird time. But it's also so full of excitement, and that's the language here is that there's a sense of joy and anticipation. The spring has come. There's a new beginning. Verse 13, the fig trees ripen its figs and the vines are in blossom and they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away with me. You know, um, scholars unanimously agree that what is happening here is in the context of marriage. The Bible would not affirm this relationship and the intimacy and the sexual intimacy in this relationship if it were to be outside of the context of marriage. So we know that they're married in this picture because they're, there's obvious sexual overtones in our text. You know, uh, Solomon invites her to arise and to come away with him. 
You know, you can look at Proverbs chapter 5, uh, 18 as an example of this idea of leaving and cleaving, of becoming one, of going away together. Um, he was, again, completely transparent in his, his, in his intentions. Um, if you are not yet married or you are engaged or you are dating, can I tell you that you need to have intentions out on the table and very clear right away, right away. Don't waste any time. Remember, Natalie and I, one of our first dates, we went to Corky's and I got a breakfast burrito. Elijah Rye and I share this. We have kindred spirits. So good. The burritos are the size of your face, um, just stuffed with eggs and cheese and all the good things. And um, if you really want to do the calorie killer, you can add country gravy in there and just, wow, don't do that. It's too much. Did it and had a stomachache. But I remember Natalie and I, we, we were eating. I got a breakfast burrito. And I was very forward with some questions with her, like right out of the gate. We had just started dating. And I remember her looking at me and being like, I did not come prepared to answer these questions today. Um, but I remember in hindsight, we were glad and we're thankful that we got some of those big things out of the way, out of the gate. And we need to be straightforward with somebody who we're considering spending the rest of our lives with. But then beyond that, the, the initial transparency... We need to be honest with each other in the midst of our relationships. We need to affirm each other. And so often marriages are hindered by lack of transparency and lack of communication and lack of healthy uh, communicative intimacy. And so if you are not healthy in your communication in your marriage, your marriage is probably not healthy. You guys must be talking. You must be. And this is paralleled in our relationship with the Lord. I told you a couple weeks ago, I heard a quote from um, an author. Oh, I was at the men's retreat. I shared this. So good. Um, a, a biblical scholar was asked, I forget his name at the moment, what is more important, reading your Bible or prayer? And you know what he said in response? What's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Have you ever tried only breathing in? You will die. You must breathe out. And what he is saying is, your relationship with the Lord is often knit together through devotion to his word and through time in prayer. How often do you pray for your marriage? How often do you pray for your spouse? You know, we love to go before the Lord and petition him for things we want. Well, what about making a healthy marriage a priority on our prayer list? We need to refocus and get back to things that are most important. You know, we love the idea of Jesus as our Savior. The world likes that idea often. You could take the gospel message to somebody, and if you started with this, hey, how do you feel about the fact that somebody died for your sins, and because of his shed blood and his sacrifice, you've been forgiven? Most people would be like, that sounds great. I like that. And then you say, oh, also, you need to repent of your sin, start living a holy life, and oh, also, he's the Lord of your life, not just your Savior. That's where we struggle isn't it? And it's easy to point our finger at the world and say, they don't want to surrender to the Lord. But we wrestle with that. We love the idea of Jesus as our Savior. But the idea of Jesus Christ as the Lord who rules and reigns over our life supremely, we, we don't like that idea as much in our sinful desires because there starts to become a clash. And so we must surrender even these aspects of our marriage to the Lord. Verse 14, oh, my dove, I would not call my wife a dove, um, not my forte. However, the picture that's being painted here is that a dove is beautiful, gentle, 
you know, you, you go to these, uh, sometimes it's at memorial services or, you know, you'll see the, the dove released out of the, the cage. It's such a beautiful bird. I'm always impressed how they get those birds to come back. I, I don't know how they do that. Uh, if anybody has any insight on that, I'd love to hear. How do you get a bird to come back? I, f- I figured the bird's gone. Like, you let him out of the cage. He's never coming back. But they get the birds back. I'm always amazed by that. That has nothing to do with our text, but doves are crazy. And there's just poetic language here in verse 14. In the clefts of the rock and in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Maybe you need to tell your bride more often that her face is lovely. You know, our wives, men, if I can speak to you for a moment, need affirmation. We need affirmation too, but a lot less. We're, we're usually okay without affirmation you know, we need it a little bit, but it's less important to the male, typically. That's not to say that men don't need affirmation, because we do. You know, my wife, her opinion means much more to me than some random person, right? So if I put together a song or, you know, that's usually my form of art or carpentry or something, and my wife likes it, I'm usually good. You know, so some random guy can be like, that stinks. And I'm like, well, I don't know, whatever. But if my wife approves of it and affirms it, That means a lot. It carries weight. In the same way, men, your words of affirmation mean much to your wife. So affirm her. Encourage her. Remind her that she is the only one for you. We need to be better at that as guys. How many of you have been in this spot? You think it, but you don't say it. Every man in the room will raise his hand and say, yeah, I've done that. (laughs) My wife will come down. We're going to go out. And I'm like, oh, wow, she looks great. And then I'm like, you know what actually comes out of my mouth, though? Are you ready now? <laughs> yeah. Dummy. Just say it. But for some reason, as men, there's this like block that can happen, and we can, we can fail to articulate how we really feel. And so that's something we need to be intentional with. And, and maybe it's uncomfortable for us at first, but make it so that it's not uncomfortable. Start making it a habit so that it just becomes normal in your marriage relationship. Amen? Verse 15. Now we get into some language that if you aren't a vineyard keeper, you'd probably be like, huh? Uh, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. So she has a background of keeping the vineyard for her family, right? So she knows what this uh, language means. It's the idea that don't let anything get in the way or hinder or ruin what's about to happen. You know, if you were a vine keeper or I don't know what the, a, a vine farmer, I don't know what the language is for that. You don't count me, hold me to it, but you've got a vineyard and This is also more evidence in verse 15 that they are already married because the word is that they are together in the sense of that it's our vineyard. There's the idea that they own it or possess it together. Um, And and so she says, you know, don't let anything, uh, excuse me, he says, don't let anything um, get in the way. Don't, Don't let the little foxes, these foxes would come in and foxes are, you know, this is a good parallel here. Foxes are small animals, aren't they? They're so cute. Everything's foxes for my wife. She loves foxes. Our, our old cat was named Mr. Fox. He was a pretty cute cat. I don't even like cats. He was pretty cool. Um, he was like Garfield, though. He was like a big old fat cat. Didn't do anything except sleep and eat, which is, I think, all cats do anyway, or claw you to death. That's the only other thing that they do. Um, but I uh, remember uh, foxes are everything. And the, the parallel I was reading in one of the commentaries, and I really like this, is foxes are small and they hide well. And they seem pretty insignificant. You see a fox in the vineyard, you don't think, oh, this little guy's going to destroy everything. But that's often how the problems in our marriages start, isn't it? They're small. Maybe they're even cute. Ah, it's not a big deal. It's fine. 
and we start to sweep things under the rug and small things become big things. You'll hear more from Pastor Shane in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now back to the Walk in Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for young children. Here's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane. And they seem pretty insignificant. You see a fox in the vineyard, you don't think, oh, this little guy's going to destroy everything. But that's often how the problems in our marriages start, isn't it? They're small. Maybe they're even cute. Ah, it's not a big deal. It's fine. And we start to sweep things under the rug, and small things become big things. They become very big problems. And so if you have little issues in your marriage right now, would you address them before they get out of control? There may be some wisdom in that picture that's painted here. The idea that uh, is being expressed, though, is don't let anything ruin what the Lord is working in the midst of our intimate relationship and our marriage. Verse 16, my beloved is mine and I am his. And now there, there, is, uh, there is definitely sexual overtones in this. It, it says he grazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. This literally means let's make love all night long. That's what it means. And we get uncomfortable with that because you hear it in a Drake song. And you're like, ew, gross. Yeah, amen. The other day we were in the mall and we're going into this place. My wife's looking for shoes. We have our daughter with us. And we, we did this thing, like we've been married long enough now. Like we, were, like we did the thing. We both looked at each other and we were like, like we, so, we heard the lyrics at the same time in the song. We were both like, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh, that's, that's awful. What is he talking about? Let's get out of here. I'm not buying shoes from this store. And then my wife, the real mom, came out. Like, I was like, wow, you're a mom now. Like, <laughs> we're walking and pushing the store, and she's like, that's ridiculous. There's just some teenagers in there playing whatever music they want to play. They don't even care. They, they got little kids coming out. I'm going to go tell them. And I'm like, Natalie, no, 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 Natalie. <laughs> and the mom comes out, you know? But I was, I was annoyed, too. I was like, I don't want my daughter hearing the F word. And I'm trying to go to a shoe store to buy a pair of shoes. you got to be kidding me. Our culture is so, the moral... Um, measure and, and compass has become so diminished that things that were once considered so profane and, and so not acceptable are now accepted. And we need to get back to the Bible. Oh my gosh, do you know the statistics on when the Bible was in schools and was considered a, a, a required curriculum? Suicide rates, depression amongst children, way lower. 
We've removed the life-giving power of the Word of God from our world, and we are reaping the direct consequences of it. We need to get back to what the Word of God says. And so verse 17, there's this idea of intimate love. And then it says, Turn my beloved like a gazelle or a young stag on the cleft mountains. Um, Unanimously in the commentaries that I read, the mountains are breasts. So that's what that is. You know, this is like... Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, you, you, do you want to stand up here and teach it? I, I don't want to talk about breasts. But here it is. And so this is the idea, is that even in Proverbs, uh, it says, let the, the husband be satisfied in the breasts of his, his bride. And so there's an idea of garden imagery in the beginning of creation. Adam and Eve are what? They are what? They're naked and... Come on, church. They're naked and what? Unashamed. That's the way it's supposed to be. And some of you in your marriage relationships, there is no sexual intimacy. You are basically roommates at this point. And we laugh, but it's not funny. Because a huge part of your relationship has been neglected. Now, I understand there are situations where sexual intimacy becomes very limited because of physical limitations and stuff. That is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about when a couple has grown so far apart in their communication, in their verbal and physical intimacy that there is just none. And they basically just live together, but that's it. That is not God's design. And this is where the Bible gets into roles delegated for men and for women. And there are roles that are appropriate. You know, when we talk about women not supposed to be ordained into the pastorate, that is not suppressing women. The Bible is not saying we need to oppress and suppress women. They're not allowed to be pastors. That's not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible is saying there is a role for a man and there is a role for a woman. And the women, clearly in Scripture, I don't know why the church gets this so wrong, you guys. Because it's very clear. And we could go there today, but we don't have time. But Paul says women are not to be shepherds over the flock. It's very black and white. If you've been told that it's up for debate, you've been lied to. The scripture is very plainly saying that women are not to be ordained into the pastorate. Do I hate women? Am I sexist? No. My wife is a lot smarter than me with most things. Probably more qualified to talk about some of this stuff than I am. But the Bible has made it clear that her role is not to be a shepherd over the church. An overseer is the word there. And so this, when you, when people come at you and they start saying, oh, you're sexist and you're, um, look, to be a complementarian means that your wife is in a complementary role. Women are in a complementary role and that you guys sustain and, and encourage and lift up each other when you are in the right roles that God has set and ordained. Just like in marriage, men are to be the authority over their household. I had a conversation with Pastor Michael, who is wise, very wise. I, I do not take for granted uh, the fact that I have a father. I can, a, a literal earthly father I can go to and seek biblical wisdom. And I, I have many friends who are on staff at churches where women are ordained as pastors. And I sometimes struggle with that and how to reconcile that. And um, I, I, I went to my pops and I just said, hey, you know, how do you reconcile a church that has this situation where they're ordaining women? And my dad said, you know, it's not that they aren't a church. Because I said, is it a church? I mean, is the Holy Spirit blessing what they're doing? How do you, how do you, I'm genuinely asking. I don't know. 
And he was like, it's not that they're not a church or that the Holy Spirit is per se absent. But he said, just like in a marriage, and this is biblical wisdom. He said, just like in a marriage, when the man is not leading his household and the wife is not submitting, it's not that they don't have a marriage. It's that they're out of order. And many churches are out of order in this area. And for you this morning, let's now turn it into some application. Is your marriage out of order? Women, are, are wives, are you allowing your husband to lead your family? Are you letting him do it? Or do you domineer and, and, and make demands and try to run the show and not give him that ability to, to operate in his God-given role? Men, are you trying to lead your family? Or are you being passive and lazy? Scripture says, woe to the lazy man, to the sluggard. Scripture also says in Proverbs, a little bit of sleep, a little bit of slumber, a little bit of folding of the hands, and poverty will come upon you. We need to be men who are intentional and stepping up and leading our families. And even in this area of intimacy, I believe that the man oftentimes has a leading role in how he leads his wife and does this in a way that is honoring to our Heavenly Father. Can I just tell you that I love the language here of, I have found the one in whom my, whom my soul loves. I love that language. You know why? Because when you start to view your spouse as a soul and not just a physical body that you're attracted to, it changes everything. Because when you start to see your spouse as a soul, a daughter of the highest king, I want to return my bride better than I found her. When I have to ultimately, at the end of my days, give her back to the Lord, I want to return her well-kept and taken care of and honored and respected. And so men, are you doing that? Women, are you doing that with your spouse? You've been listening to God's Timing for Intimacy, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane's teaching in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8, to chapter 3, verse 5. Of course, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. You can subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have on his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else or need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe as you listen to this teaching on the Song of Solomon, you would say, you know what? I'm not really feeling this way. Uh, maybe you've been married 5, 10, 20 years, and you would say, you know what? I'm not sure if I'm cherishing my spouse the way I should. I'm not sure if the love is where it needs to be. And then the follow-up question, I, I hope this is where you would be at, is, well, how do I fix it? How do I grow in love for my spouse? You know, when we talk about the word agape in the Bible, it is the love of the will. It's a decision. But I will say this, even though agape is a love of the will, it is also something that God can do through you. Let me explain. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. When God's Spirit and Word are dominating our lives, love will be a preeminent fruit. In other words, you don't have to manufacture it. 
the more you lean into your walk with the Lord, I think the more he'll allow you to love that person that you're married to well. You know, some some months ago, actually maybe longer than months now, I taught from 1 Corinthians 13 in our fellowship. And I wrote a poem. And the essence of the poem was, Lord, teach me how to love. Teach me to love my wife the way you love me. That's not always easy, but that's the kind of love that husbands are called with which to love their wives. We love our wives as Christ loved his bride, loves his bride, the church. And you say, well, that's beyond me precisely, but you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Hey, if we can help you in any way, we have a number that you can call during the week, during normal business hours, Tuesday through Friday, and it's 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And we have pastors here who'd be willing to pray with you, talk with you. We do know this is a sensitive area and it can bring up some emotions and questions. And we're here for you. 844-48-TRUTH. This is Pastor Michael. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a monthly Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part four and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane's teaching in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8 through chapter 3, verse 5, called God's Timing for Intimacy. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.